2: Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck,
1: The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Thank you for joining us. What a week we've been having in the sport of mixed martial arts. This past week was wild. Great UFC Austin card. Breakout performances galore from this past Saturday. And we get to answer a question... Thanks to one scorecard in particular about the main event this past Saturday is a really close fight. Actually a robbery this time around. We'll see what our panel has to say. Plus, this weekend has so much happening. We'll discuss all of that and more. Dana White and Nate Diaz having a little bit of a back and forth. So let's get into it and have fun with the esteemed panel. First, let us introduce a man who is back from vacation. Mr. No Gray Area himself with takes... So hot, you'll need to hop into an ice bath when the show is over. Mr. Jed Bishu, hello, sir.
3: I don't know if it's a vacation. I did a lot more than I... I didn't relax, let's call it that way. So I'm still recovering, which uh, should be more than enough to put the boots to Randy Costa. So that's fine.
1: Well, there we go. And... I'm happy to welcome back UFC Bantamweight Randy Costa of the program. Love getting the fighter's perspective on here to spread their <laughs> wings a bit. From an analyst perspective, he did some commentary for the legendary New England promoter Joe Cav and Combat FC recently. And he has his next in-cage assignment October 1st against Guido Canetti. Maybe, just maybe, with this incredible mustache, he will ride one of those 20-foot-high unicycles with lots of heavy, rounded-out barbells Attached to his arms and shoulders. Look at this friggin' mustache, man. Randy Costa, how are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm going
4: undefeated with this thing. I promise you that.
1: (laughs) That is unbelievable.
3: That's the type of mustache a man named Guido Canetti should have. If we're being honest, like that's that is much more Guido Canetti mustache than a Randy Costa mustache.
4: Yeah, it's very Guido Canetti esque for sure. I agree. I agree, but it's not my
1: face, and I'm stuck with it. And uh, yeah, dude. It's mine. That is just unbelievable. I don't even know if I can get through this show and be so distracted by (laughs) by the mustache. But let's get into this thing, gentlemen. UFC Austin should actually be renamed UFC Awesome because it was awesome. What a card it was. One of the best of the year for sure. (laughs) One of the best overall fight nights from top to bottom that I can remember in quite some time. Over delivered as a whole. Main event saw Josh Emmett earn a split decision over Calvin Cater. It was a close fight. MMA Fighting's official score on Saturday was 48-47 Cater. I've watched it twice. I've scored it for Cater both times. And almost all the time, we have discussions like this, talking about close fights, and we do this on post-fight show. The word robbery needs to be locked away or put somewhere into the universe where it can't be found or used or said. However, Judge Chris Lee is the biggest talking point coming out of this fight, even more so than the fighters themselves, because in my eyes and in the eyes of most who watch this fight, the only clearest day round of the entire 25-minute fight was Cater in round four. To me, it was a clear Cater round. The other four rounds, you can at least make an argument in some capacity one way or the other that either Cater or Emmett won the round. Round four, not so much This one, you actually couldn't. It was clear as day. Cater won round four. But Jed, Chris Lee sees the fourth (laughs) round for Josh Emmett, which leads to a 48-47 scorecard for Josh Emmett. And if Chris Lee had scored this fight correctly, or at least that round correctly, Cater wins the fight. We're talking about what Calvin Cater does next, whether or not Calvin Cater gets a title fight. So because of that, did Cater get robbed in this one, or at least did he get hosed? by Judge Chris Lee on Saturday.
3: So we were talking about it before. Uh, I haven't seen the fight. I've watched every other fight on this card, Uh, but as I was trying to catch up, because I was gone this weekend, uh, it's a lot harder to be like, oh, I'm going to sit down for 25 minutes and watch this. And it's like, I'm going to spend 90 seconds to watch Kyle Dawkins get blown up. Like, that's very easy to fit in and around other things that you're doing. So this is the one fight of the card I haven't seen, which makes me uniquely ill-prepared to answer this so I'm going to answer this more holistically because I can't say specifically in this instance what happened, though so all of the things I've read and people I've talked to, I feel that this probably is a robbery because here's the deal. Even if it's a close fight, Mike, if if the wrong guy won, then he was the right guy was robbed because he literally got half of his paycheck. And so by definition, he is robbed <laughs> of money in a fight that if you look at him and made decisions... There's some people who scored it for him, but the bulk of them scored it for Calvin Cater. MMAfighting.com, tremendous website. If you should go to it right now. Uh, and a very handsome man scored that round, uh, that fight for Calvin Cater, as you mentioned earlier. So when when the Bible of fighting, MMAfighting.com, says one thing, then that's that's the truth as it exists. So Calvin Cater clearly should have won, and thus was robbed of half his paycheck and the potential opportunity to get into a title eliminator because he's not getting one now, and Emmett probably is, is at least in that conversation. So I'm going robbery having not seen the fight.
1: Wow, how about that? Randy, what do you think? Because, again, we score this fight on an island. We sc- Like, you scored a certain way. Let's just say you score for Cater. Emmett gets the nod before we look at the scorecards. We're not thinking it's a robbery at all. But then we look at Chris Lee's scorecard. We look at Chris scoring the fourth round for Cater or for Emmett, excuse me, and not for Cater when everybody else scored that round for Cater, then it changes things a little bit, right? Does it not? Like, what, what do you think? Is is there, I don't know, even if you don't want to go as far as robbery, fine, but does Calvin Cater at least have a gripe here with Chris Lee? So like, like Jed said,
4: <clears throat> I, think in ter- I think robbery in terms of like the, the sport context, I don't really think that. I mean, I could see why it would go either way. I did have Calvin win, and I thought it was 2-2 going into the fifth. Um... I did have Calvin winning but like you can't really say robbery because I can I understand the argument on why um why Emmett did win um but dude like Calvin lost or didn't didn't get half of his paycheck because of Chris Lee I mean there there needs to be there needs to be some sort of standard something needs like the the judges need to be held accountable for these things like right or wrong all like it's it's crazy that we're in twenty twenty two and still there's no standard and there's no line of like what the judges are. You don't know you don't know what the judges are seeing. And it's just something something I think needs to change. And I feel bad for a guy like Calvin. I mean, that, that was that was a big loss. You know, he's he's now not going to be in the title contention picture he law he didn't get half of his paycheck which is you know that's a, a, a fat amount of money considering he's had like three or four main events in a row it's just kind of a trash situation and, and and there needs to be like some accountability with these judges uh especially chris lee but yeah man i i, I wouldn't say like in, in terms of sport i don't think it was a robbery i thought i think that it could have gone either way i'm not like upset about it i could see the argument for either way um but in terms of like finances i think i think that judges need to be held accountable
1: Yeah. And that, and that's the thing like scoring the fight in a vacuum. I don't think it's a robbery. That scorecard is the only thing that makes this a talking point. Now to move ahead, Josh Emmett did win the fight, Randy, and he gets on the microphone and DC asked him one question and he just answered all of the questions in one shot. And it ended with him saying, I want to sit cage side Dana White for UFC 276 on July 2nd when Volkanovski and Holloway fight for the third time because I deserve to fight the winner. He feels like he should get the winner of that fight. And if Volkanovski wins, that would seem to give him a better chance because if Holloway wins, more than likely they're just going to run it back again because if Volkanovski wins two and then Holloway wins one, it'd be kind of ridiculous if Volkanovski doesn't get it right back. So in your eyes, let's just say Volkanovski wins. What are the chances he gets what he wants with this win on Saturday? Or do you think he has to fight another one? I do think that he definitely has to fight another one. Um,
4: I think that, especially with a win like <clears throat> a win like how he had on on Saturday night, I don't think that is like the stamp in which like a a guy that's now ranked what number four or number five should be fighting for the title. I mean, you have other guys that are that are you could argue have a better argument to fight for the belt. I just don't. I just don't think that really makes sense. I mean, you could, Emmett. Squeezed out a decision over over Calvin, and the guy that's now fighting Volkanovski blew Calvin out of the water. It's just it's just it's really it's just really hard. I think that Emmett I think that Emmett's a beast. He's a savage, but I think that there should be one more fight uh, between now and uh, him getting the title shot.
1: Jed, Emmett's in an interesting situation where you can book him in a number of ways and you're not really wrong either way because you got this title fight if you want to give him the title fight you can we got Yair Rodriguez fighting Brian Ortega on July 16th winner of that fight could have a say in this discussion as well so if Volk wins will Josh Emmett be next or will he have to be the biggest Brian Ortega fan on earth
3: oh I don't he's just not next I don't think the outcome of Ortega Rodriguez matters um I mean, if, if Rodriguez wins, then for absolute 100% certainly he is not next. But I think if Volk beats Holloway, he is going to push really, really strongly for a lightweight title fight and kind of feels like they're going to give him one. I, again, I, we've talked about this before. I'm not a huge fan of that, honestly, just because I think there are a lot of... I would like to see Alexander Volkanovsky fight people that aren't Max Holloway because he just keeps beating Max Holloway, which is a tremendous win. But... He has in no way cleaned out Featherweight. He's beaten Max a bunch. He beat Korean Zombie, who in the UFC still has like a pretty high ranking. But like let's let's just be honest about what that is. That that's a holdover, not probably indicative of where the talent actually lies in the division. And the Ortega win, which was a tremendous fight. Like, I don't know. I just like to see him fight. There are a whole bunch of up and comers at Featherweight. I want to see him fight. So I don't really want him to go up to lightweight for that, but I think that that's how it feels like it's going. Uh, And conversely, if Holloway wins and they're running that back, so then Image for sure not, Image is just going to have to fight again. And I think his his two choices are he either fights the winner of Ortega Rodriguez if Ortega wins. Because again, if Rodriguez wins, he's getting a title fight. He does not need to put that on the line. So if Ortega wins, he fights the winner. he, He fights Brian Ortega. And if Ortega loses, this is the one that he won't be that interested in. But I think it's, he should just fight Arnold Allen for a title shot. Like that's just how Arnold Allen has won like 10 in a row or something dumb. Like that's just it. Like they, those two dudes in a title eliminator, you put them together, go. And it seems pretty straightforward and easy for me.
1: Last thing on this card, Jed, a lot of great performances, a lot of finishes, breakout moments. You saw all of those moments because you didn't get a chance to watch the main event. And I would say the answer to this question is not Josh Emmett or Calvin Cater. Who was the MVP of UFC Austin in your eyes, Jed Bashu?
3: I mean, I think it just it has to be Kevin Holland, right? Like he, Kevin Holland. Every a lot of people turned in dominant, awesome performances. Kevin Holland did it over probably the best guy of them, like uh, of of the opposition that was felled, and really established himself as like a legitimate threat at welterweight. And I don't think any for as good as some of these other wins were, you know. I don't think Phil Hawes is not like, oh, that dude is legitimately like a real title threat at middleweight. It's like that that dude's a good middleweight and he just beat the bricks off Duran Wynn. But Kevin Holland is now, he is now a going concern for the top, you know, the top 10 at welterweight. And I don't think anybody else did anything comparatively big.
1: Randy, what say you? Do you agree with the Kevin Holland pick or does somebody else stand out to you? Perhaps maybe a former opponent of yours?
4: Yeah, I do. I do think that that uh, that Adrian, I think, um, had like the, the biggest performance. I think Kevin Holland had a, had a huge performance, but with everything that was going on with the between Adrian and Tony and, and like, you know, whether you agree or not, the derogatory statements that Tony said and, you know, just just all, a bunch of shit lining up. And, 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 and Adrian, I think it's his first fight in front of a crowd. Uh, you know, now he's he's in the top 15. He's got a big win at home. Uh, he's on like a five-fight win streak and just in just knocking dudes out. I mean, myself included. Uh, I don't know, man. I just think that that was a, that was a really big showing for him, and I think that like what it sets up going forward, I think is is bigger than what kind of um, maybe what Kevin Holland might have going forward. I mean, t- Kevin Holland obviously has title contention, this, that, the other thing, but I think that Adrian. Kind of put him in a, himself in a position to maybe get like the fight with O'Malley, which is which could be a huge fight. You know, I think Adrian grew his stock like tenfold after that performance fighting in front of a crowd um, on, on ESPN and at home. I, I don't know. I just think that Adrian uh, probably had the, the, the best performance uh, that night.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to choose from. I was very high on Joaquin Buckley's performance. That was a, I mean, he, he showed me a lot in that one. Uh, Natalia Silva, what a debut for her. She, I mean, talk about stock rising. She was fantastic, but both tremendous answers. Both have compelling cases for the MVP of the card. And both have compelling cases, both of you guys anyways, to win this first point. So the point for round one goes to... You're right, Jed. Randy Costa gets the point.
3: It's really tough when the topic of conversation is something I haven't seen.
1: (laughs) But (laughs) you You, know,
3: that's on me. That is, you gave (laughs) me the categories and I just did not watch it today.
1: And you literally told me this morning, I still haven't watched that fight and you still haven't. And that's okay.
0: That's okay. Go back and watch it another time. That's right.
1: That's right. But something I'm sure you are familiar with, Jed. Dana White and Nate Diaz are back at it again, guys. They're back at it because earlier this week, Diaz takes to social media, politely asks the UFC, hey, book me to fight in July or August, or just release me because I have bigger things to do. I have bigger fish to fry. And he shows the clip of Jake Paul knocking out Tyron Woodley in Tampa. And then later on, Dana does an interview with Oscar Willis of The Mac Life. Gives his response, and I'm just sort of spitballing here. Look, this isn't Kamara Usman we're talking about here. Diaz only has one win in the last five or six years. Maybe he should go fight Jake Paul. That fight makes sense. And Nate responds with, okay, send me the release. And on and on we go. So Randy Costa, what do you make of this whole thing between Dana and Nate Diaz? And if Dana really wants, really feels that Nate Diaz should go ball. Paul, why doesn't he just go box Jake Paul? Man, it's, it's
4: such a slippery slope because, I mean, how many guys have, have lost or what five out of the last six or whatever that number is and still been like a like a huge draw? I mean, what, BJ Penn maybe? But, I mean, I would argue that Diaz is probably a bigger draw than BJ Penn. Um, but it, it, it's tough, man. It, it's such a slippery slope. I think there's still huge fights for Nate. I think there's – like Even put him on a pay-per-view, I think there's still a lot of potential, a lot of things to do with Nate still. And I think, he only, I think he only has, what, one fight left on his contract. I think there are a lot of fun fights to be made. I think him and Connor make sense. I think, dude, I would even say that him and Robbie Lawler make sense at this point. I think there are still fun fights um, for Nate. Um, but I think we can all be realistic um, by saying he's, he's probably not going to go for a title run. And just having one fight left, why not use them and get and, and get the exciting fight and get the draw and get the numbers? Because, dude, like I said, there are a lot of fun fights with Nate, and and I might be going. I, I'm a Nate Diaz fan, a thousand percent, but I'm not sure if if, uh, if Jake Paul boxing match is is the smart is the is the move. I mean, I don't know, man. I I think that I understand Diaz's argument, and I understand Dana's argument. But I think that there's still so much money to be made for both of them off of each other and setting up like this big mega fight, you know, with with Connor coming back supposed to be this year or even Robbie Lawler, who just beat his brother. I think there's still like a storyline. I think there's still opportunity to kind of like to, to, to milk it in and, and get like a like a fun fight out of Nate. Man, I don't know. It's such a slippery slope. He's such a unique guy. Um, but I guess that's why we love him.
1: Jed, this probably won't be the last time we talk about this particular subject on this show. I'm sure we've talked about it multiple times because these guys just keep going round and round in a circle. But it's very rare that Dana actually reacts and he takes a stance and then he goes out and just says, yeah, maybe you should fight Jake Paul instead of just saying, we'll figure it out. He's in the mix. We'll work something out. Nate's hard to deal with, but we'll figure it out. How are you viewing this latest round with Dana actually kind of taking a side here and trying to push the chips in the middle on that side. Uh,
3: I think Dana is saying, yeah, you should go box Jake Paul while he's still under contract with us so we get a piece of that. Because that's the point. That's what all this is about. Everyone knows it. It's so transparently stupid. And it's like, it shouldn't bother me that Dana White like lies because he's done it so often that like it should. you should just be acclimated to it. But I'm not. And like in the in the quote, he even leads, like, I'm not trying to shit on anybody, but Nate sucks, to paraphrase the end of it. Like, it's like, but Nate's won one in five and blah, blah, blah. Cool. His record has no bearing on him being a star. He is not his brother. He is not saying, I want to fight Kamar Usman. He is literally saying, I will fight any human being to be out of this contract. Because he wants to be out of this contract so he can go box Jake Paul and get a boatload of money that he doesn't have to give the lion's share to the UFC. And Randy's right. The Conor thing is a great fight. And Nate knows that. And they want to, he and Conor want to do it outside the purview of the UFC where they make all the money instead of the UFC making the bulk of the money. And like, that's, that's literally the whole point because any rational human being would have just been like, all right, Nate clearly doesn't want to work for us anymore and It's it's really shitty of us as people to hold like lock him into this contract just because we have the ability to do so, and we're just going to offer him Hamza Chmaev over and over and over again, uh, so he can get potentially injured and go out in the worst possible way. When instead, the way to make money and the way to treat him like a like a real person uh, and like a real business as opposed to a predatory promotion promotional organization is to just do the Freaking Nate Diaz-Dustin Poirier fight. Both men want it. The fans want it. It's been talked about for well over a year. Just do it. And Nate gets to leave. And that's fine because it's okay for you to not get everything in the world. The UFC is making a billion dollars a year. They don't need Nate Connor three under the promotion. It is not going to bankrupt them or hurt them in any capacity. This is just a digging the heels in moment, and because they can. They have the power, and as Tommy Shelby, why? Because we can, and if we can, we do. And that is what Dana White is doing, and it's super frustrating, mainly because I'm just tired of this. I want this story to be over. Because I I agree with Randy. I don't think it's the greatest idea for Nate to go fight to, uh, Jake Paul. Not He should, because it's a big bag of money, but – I'm not confident that that goes well for him. And then there just aren't that many options afterwards. But if all he wants to do is box Jake Paul and then fight Conor McGregor under their own promotional banner and make $10 million and then be done with fight sport, that's fine. I'd like to get there so we can stop having this conversation the same way that I don't want to have any more freaking conversations about open scoring or any of the other like repetitive, stupid things (laughs) where the answer is very obvious. Like, Let's just get to point B. It's not that friggin'
1: hard. It's a great rant. In the end, as as we all know, I know, I, listen. And I guess like if you want to play devil's advocate, maybe Dana won't go for the co-promotion because what if he does co-promote this fight against Jake Paul and he's with Nate the whole time and then Jake beats him? That's not a good look for him. But at the same token, either way, everyone will not come out of this satisfied the UFC will come out satisfied, like you said, Jed, because from a business perspective, they're coming out golden no matter what. Hashtag all the money.
3: Making but, a billion dollars a year.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter. Literally like have a billion deal, dollars They're making money hand over fist. It's, it's crazy. They don't need Nate. And they could be even more petty and just keep them sidelined for as long as they want. You know, as long as you, like you said, they offer him a fight from time to time. So I'm curious, Jed, we want to get to point B. We want this all to play out. We don't want to talk about this anymore. But will we be talking about this a year from right now, Jed? What is Nate Diaz's combat sports professional life going to look like? Is he still going to be without fights sitting on the UFC roster? Will he have had his fight and is fighting elsewhere? Is he still in the UFC? Is he not in the UFC? What is he doing a year from now?
3: I would like to speak directly to Nate Diaz. So if anyone watching this can clip it and tag him or, or whatever, I've said this many times before, but Nate, I'm reaching out to you directly in this capacity. There's a really simple outcome here. They are physically going to have to offer you a fight. Whoever it is, just say yes. It it simply does not matter. Just say yes. You say yes and you accept the fight and you go to the fight. And as soon as the fight starts, have Nick throw the towel in. You will have done nothing wrong by definition because your corner threw the towel in, the fight will be over, and you will have satisfied your contractual obligation to the UFC at which point you can go do whatever the hell you want. And that's the outcome that should happen. If the UFC isn't going, they're not going to give you a release. You can quit tweeting about it. Just say yes to the fight and move on with your life. You will be happier. I will be damn sure happier. And mostly the world will be happier. And you can finally go box Jake Paul. And that will be, f- and, and then you guys can both during your promotion, you, you and Jake can talk about Dana sucking ass and that's fine. Just do that. I am begging you. Accept any fight that comes your way. Immediately throw in the towel and move on with your life.
1: So is that your answer? He's gonna just do that. That's it. A year That's from it. Now he's up? okay. Okay. All right, Randy. What do you think? A year from now, where, where is Nate Diaz from a combat sports perspective?
4: I, I'm not sure if if we'll see Nate competing in, in MMA uh, after he satisfies his UFC contract. I do think that there'll be boxing for him. Um I would even go as far as saying there'll probably be jujitsu comps for him. Cause I mean he's 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 I mean he's a draw. I mean you, you want you want to watch him compete. I'm I'm hoping that we do see uh and I do think that we will I think that we're gonna see Connor Nate three. I think that makes sense. I think all the timing makes sense. You would assume that Connor would want like a, a tune up fight. And stylistically this is probably really like the, the safest fight for Connor in regards to that in in regard to his shin right not like safest fight mean he's gonna win the fight I mean safest fight in regard to his shin he's not he's not gonna get his legs kicked out uh, Nate doesn't check kicks um, yeah man I, I, I don't know it's it's weird I, I think that Nate is going to satisfy that that contractual requirement um, with the UFC by by this time next year for sure Um but after, I mean, you would just, you have to assume he, that Jake Paul is going to be calling his name, and that, that's just that, that's a huge draw. I think that makes the most sense, or makes makes sense in terms of like pay per view and, and, and money and finances and things like that. Um, not sure if it makes sense from like an athletic standpoint, but uh, other, other other standpoints for sure. Um, yeah, man, I, I just I, I do think, and I have a feeling that we're going to see Connor Nate three, and then I think that Nate's just going to sail off until he gets like another big opportunity with a promotion elsewhere. Um, where it's going to be like a one fight gig, and he's going to get a, a, a bolt load of money for it,
1: Jed. If this is the way that it goes, we're going to be talking about this a lot on the show because that's going to be he's going to be waiting a while for that Conor fight. If that, I mean, it seems like that's what the UFC wants. They're just going to ice want. him until obviously this fight happens. But I mean, February yeah. or March. I mean, it could be that long. That's I mean, that's just a long ass time. But we'll see what happens. It's, we will. It's see obviously what, what the
3: UFC wants. It's just very stupid. Like. They, they just really want that. And I understand why they want it. I also think that they could just look at their bank account and be like, this doesn't matter. We, we truly don't care. Our pay-per-view sales literally don't matter because we get a flat rate from ESPN. <laughs> so, like, what do we care? Because they've, they've made that choice for everything else. That's why we get 800 freaking uh, Contender Series talents filling out every card now flooding the market with with 10k fighters and letting like decent people go like that but they're not doing it here and it feels really personal and it mostly just feels real dumb
1: well what isn't dumb is the main event of this saturday's ufc card but i'm excited to talk about it point for round two goes to I mean, when you actually talk directly to the band, you gotta get the point. (laughs) Jed Bashu. it's one-to-one. I hope he sees it and I hope he does it and I'll retire from MMA if
3: that's the case.
1: (gasps) How dare you? How dare you? (laughs) Wow, we can't do that. We can't can't go that long. We can't go forever without the fiery hot takes if this happens and that'd be just a tremendous thing that happened.
3: My career would have peaked. Why would I need to come back? (laughs)
1: I mean, I didn't think it could peak more than the Juliana Pena prediction over Amanda Nunes, but this would certainly do it, especially if Nate gets on the mic and thanks you personally. So let's go to UFC (laughs) Vegas 57 because we have a lot going on this weekend. The main event, Armand Sarukian versus Matush Gamrot. Great fight. The hardcores love it. And what I enjoy about this one so much, Jed Mishu, is that the non-hardcores, the other folks, the casuals, maybe some of the old school folk, they're at least, they're not poo-pooing this like a top, like bottom half of the top 15 heavyweight main event. They're at least asking questions and wondering why hardcore fans love this fight so much. They're at least putting in an effort to try to understand why people like this fight so much. How would you rate this main event? Because star studded wise, it's not, listen, it's not the biggest drawing main event in UFC history, but. I mean, skill for skill, prospect for prospect, where these guys could go, ceiling for ceiling, this is outstanding. Where do you rate this one?
3: This is a plus. This is this is as good as mixed martial arts gets right here. I mean, I'm very high on both of these dudes. Um, no one's as high on Armand Sarukian as you are, uh, Mike, but I I've said it. I think both of these I, I think Sarukian without a doubt is going to challenge for a title, if not outright win one. Um and i'm lee if i had to pick i would say he wins one over just challenges for one at this point uh and i think gamrot is he's a little older so his window is a little bit is actually much smaller in that regard especially in the division which is the best in the sport uh but i think this dude has all the talent to compete for a a belt as well and and may well get there uh for my money, I, I mean, Sarukian is one of, if not the top prospects in the entire sport, and Gamrot is maybe just because he's thirty-one, you can't really call him a prospect, even though he's still, you know, he's he's a, a new addition, a relatively new addition to the UFC. Uh, I think these are two of the if you're if I'm giving you a list of fighters to watch for the next like three years, these two dudes are for sure in the top ten. Sarukian is like i said maybe number one uh and gamrot's probably just outside the top five like maybe like six or seven um this fight rules everything about it's great i have legitimate questions about what it's going to look like uh and the result is the the winner of this uh i will feel absolutely certain challenges for a ufc belt within the next two years
1: Randy, your thoughts on this main event, Armand Sarukian, Matush Gamrat, two of the best up and coming 155 pounders, not just in the UFC, but uh, around the world. These guys are, are the real deal. What do you think of this matchup?
4: Yeah, I man. so I, I agree with everything that Jed said and, but I, I, there's just, what's hard for me to, they're just not getting the respect that that I think that they deserve as athletes. <clears throat> I mean, these dudes are both savages and they're, there's no like buzz behind this card. Um, there's no like you're seeing some stuff on on social like hyping up this card, but it, it's not that much. And I think these dudes have have, you know, the the fighting styles and definitely the potential to put on an insane fight. And it's just, I don't know, man. I, I just don't think they're getting the, the respect that they deserve. I do think that Gamrot's gonna win. I think I think both guys are savages. Armin's Armin's just, I mean, he mauled Joel Alvarez in his last fight. Um, but I just think Gamrot has a, a tougher line of experience, especially in the UFC. Um, yeah, man, fun, fun matchup, real fun matchup. Just not getting the respect that it deserves, unfortunately. I, th- I think that it's this 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 fight could could have been hidden on like a pay per view opener or like you know feature bout or something like that. And I just think with having a, a, a headline and spot on a fight night that's at the apex, I just I just think it's not getting. It's not getting nearly as much respect as 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 as, uh, as they deserve.
1: Wow, Armand Sarukian fighting Islam Makachev. Come on now, strength the schedule, Randy Costa. I mean, how dare you?
4: Great that that's a that's a single fight, right? I, and I, I think that that's true, a thousand percent, right? But I think that Gaming Gamrob just beat Diego Fajeda. He fought Jeremy Stevens. He went to a split decision with uh, with uh, Guram Kalate. I just think that the, the strength of schedule overall favors Gamrot. overall i'm not saying that arman had an easy ass road in the ufc i'm just saying overall in whole i think Gamrot has had a uh,
1: tougher tougher line of competition you, you hear that arman clip this off he's tag arman i'm just kidding god he, Go ahead, Jeff, he
3: certainly had a t- he certainly had a tougher line of competition outside the ufc i mean dude oh, fought for sure. in ksw for sure. forever and like he's certainly the more accomplished fighter of the two
1: I gotta, I gotta follow up and challenge at some point on this program. It's been too mm. freaking friendly here for, the, for two rounds. But Randy, Jed said, winner of this fight in the next two years, they're fighting for the belt. It's he, he would put his money down. Winner of this fight fights for the belt. Do you agree with that? Are you willing to take it a step further? That the winner of this fight will be UFC champion in two years. Are we willing to go that far? I mean, that's bold because things, things
4: there's just so many outside variables like who maybe someone's coming tomorrow. That's like the next biggest thing. And he skyrockets like how year he did. That's a bold statement, but I do think it's fair to say that they're going to be, I mean, fighting for the belt or, or fighting for contention for the belt or something like that within the next two years. I think that that's kind of a given. Um, I, I would even go as far as saying, I think if the winner gets out of this fight and it's like a, a pretty spectacular performance that, you know, maybe by this time next year, they're in like a contention type spot. Um, yeah I I don't know about winning the belt. I think that that's that's so bold and this and things are ever changing, but I think that top 5, top 3 uh, title contention 1000%. I think that's a given for both guys probably.
1: Jed as you I mean you're you're on vacation, you you just returned and heck of a morning has been on 3 days in a row and a lot <clears> of talk <throat> about this fight and a lot of talk about this card. But there are some folks who feel that despite this main event being so good, that Sarukian as a prospect, Gamrot, I agree with you, 31, it's teetering on the line of prospect and veteran, but prospect from like a UFC sense, if you want to call him a prospect, then he can argue with you. But there are people asking, are these two guys even the best prospects on the entire card, Jed? Because in the co-main event, we have Shafkat Rachmanov, who has just been mowing people down, and now he gets this opportunity to fight a really tough fight in the welterweight division, where the risk is high, the reward is will answer questions, but it's not super duper high beating Neil Magny. It's it's great. It'll answer questions, but you're not going to get like just bolstered in such a massive way if you beat Neil Magny. So, your questions about Shafkot, Neil Magny does this co-main event provide? you with more questions to be answered than the main event does?
3: Uh, no, but I will. Uh, first I'll say I, I find it... It's not wrong, but it is very interesting that uh, when you started that talking about potentially a better prospects on this card, you went to Shavkat and didn't mention Umar Nurma, Nurmagomedov, who is actually, I, I would say, arguably a better prospect than... Like, he's, he's certainly... <laughs> in that conversation, I think he's definitely a better prospect than Chavcot for being honest. Um, So this, there's a lot of, a lot of budding talent here. Uh, As far as the co-main event fight rules, it's a really good fight. I'm really excited about it. Uh, It's not as good as the main event. If I had to pick which of these two fights I would prefer be five rounds, it's absolutely for certain the main event. Um, So I'm glad that we got that as a main event for that. Um, Magni is, this is a really good fight to test things, like because at the time, I and mean, one Shavkat has been getting comparisons to Hamzat, um, both because their names are fun and because they have looked completely unstoppable and undefeated welterweight records. Uh, I think Shavkat's not as good as Hamzat, frankly, um, but I think he's also very good. But we talked about it at the time, like Neil Magny would have been a really good fight for Hamzat to take it during his progression up. Because And Magny wanted that fight because Magny's really good at you know thriving in the underdog role, at just winning fights you don't expect him to. He is always in shape. He is always game. He's a tough out for anybody. And so I like this fight from that perspective because I think we are going to learn some stuff about Shavka here. And frankly, I have questions. I have more questions about Shavka than I did about Hamzat. Uh, and some of them are going to be answered here. Now, if Shavka comes out and just tackles Magny to the ground and is all over him, won't shock me at all. But we haven't seen him face as much opposition as Neil Magny is going to put up against him. And Neil Magny is going to continue to press the pace. He is going to stuff takedowns and kind of use that long lanky range of his. And I think it's it's a really good fight. I'm really interested in it, but just not as much as the main event who has a dude. Like if, if Islam Makachev didn't exist, I would say that Armand Sarukin is going to be a champion. Like I would be very confident in that. But the, problem is if armand gets title fight in the next two years he's gonna have to beat islam and he already didn't do that and granted things have changed dramatically but i also just think i still favor islam in that rematch based on how how armand fights so like that's the big issue we're talking about a guy who's championship caliber and maybe Shavkat's that but i'm not nearly as sure about it as i am with the main event so i'm still favoring the main event
1: what do you think about that, Randy? Shafcott versus Neil Magny, obviously a big fight. And then, you know, a big prospect in your division, as Jed mentioned, Umar and Maga Madoff getting ready to fight Nate Manis. So of those two fights outside of the main event, which one from a, just an analyst perspective from a fan's perspective, which one are you more interested in? Is, I, mean, I mean, take the weight classes out of it because obviously you'll be more focused on 135 because you could in the future fight both of these guys. So, but just as a fan sitting back, not thinking about anything, just fight for fight. Which one do you, are you, do you have more questions about which one are you more interested in? Yeah, definitely the shock
4: fight, man. I think that, I think that Neil is the, the, the perfect opponent at the right time to see what shock about. I mean, Neil Magny is, he's like as game as they come, uh, super long, good everywhere, not great necessarily anywhere. Um, but just tough. To deal with uh like Jed said always in shape he's going to be there for the full 15 minutes should it go over the full 15 minutes and I just think there's there, there's a lot of questions about shock fight. and I think that Neil Magny is the perfect the perfect pers- person to kind of present those questions so that shock can answer them uh can can shock last like that tough grueling dirty pace that that Neil Magny has who knows we're going to see that on Saturday night I think with the with the Umar fight I mean everybody knows the number of men of last name um I think that Umar's Umar's obviously a savage, uh, but I just think there's less name value with Nate Maness, so there's not as much buzz behind that fight, which fair. Um, and with the the shock fought fight, I mean Neil Magny's been around for forever. He's he's been in the picture forever. I mean he's he's he was he was never like one of those guys where like all right, this guy's probably going to be the chance, but champ. But he was always that guy. Like all right, this dude's going to be a problem. He's he's not an easy fight for anybody um he's gonna he can contest with anybody i think that we we're gonna have like a very interesting stylistic matchup and i'm interested to see how the fight goes after like you know the halfway point of the fight with shock and Neil. because like i said man there, there are a lot of questions with shock fight and how much you know what what his ceiling is and like jed said i don't think there's any comparison between you know kamzat and shock besides besides their 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 names that they you know they're fun to pronounce um but I think Kamza is I don't I don't think that Shakvat's just like that next like oh shit this is the dude. Um but this fight right here I guess is the perfect one to kind of you know put put my judgment to test. I think I think it's a a great fight, a very exciting fight. But I think Shakvat is is probably the more exciting fight over the Ushman over the uh, the Usman fight, Umar fight.
1: Yeah, and I see people in the in the chat kind of poo-pooing this card. Listen, it's sandwich. It's it's just a tough insane. spot to be This in. card's good. Yeah, it's <laughs> this it card is, is legitimately it's good. You're following UFC 275 and UFC Austin and the emotional roller coaster those two events and, put us on, especially 275. and leading
3: into 276. Like this is exactly this is supposed to be a dog shit card. Like this is in that exact window of like here are good things and another incredibly important thing is happening. This is the card where they dump the the crap on you it's like yeah we just got to give some people fights here's garbo a lot of the fights in this card are really fun
1: <laughs> yeah this is where ak's gymnastic scale is going to be met maybe even exceeded just look at the matchups by themselves maybe you don't know i do them, have but an issue oh i
3: have i have one major issue we talked about it on no bets bard my my podcast with I think I, know,
1: I think I know where you're going with this but i, I may have the same issue
3: what in the bloody hell is Josh Parisian versus Alain Badeau doing on this fight card? My issue, outside of that just being a bad fight between bad fighters, which probably isn't UFC caliber and certainly shouldn't be on the main card of any event the UFC puts on, my primary issue with it is Badeau's French and Parisian's name is Parisian. Put this in UFC Paris, you absolute goons. Joe Silva would have <laughs> never made this mistake. Sean Shelby, do better, man. Do better.
1: Wow. I thought you were going to say, because this is a late starter. It starts at 7 p.m. Eastern for the prelims. And then we have a 10 p.m. main card with, I believe it's a six fight main card. Six fight main card.
3: I'm used to that. I'm not used to them missing a golden opportunity to have a French dude fight a guy named Parisian in Paris. That's incredibly (laughs) stupid to me that that is a thing that's happening in Vegas at a freaking Apex event.
1: Maybe we'll get some uh, Ankoliyev, Iwan Kuchalaba weirdness, and it's like a no contest Hopefully. or a draw, and then we get to do the, the Honestly, rematch. Honestly, I don't card. even care.
3: Just just book it again. I don't care the <laughs> outcome. Just do it again at UFC <laughs> Paris. You're missing a golden <laughs> opportunity.
1: <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's move on to round four. I'm telling you, this, this Vegas 57 card has got to be fun to watch, but the point for round three goes to... I mean, Randy was looking real good, and then two things happened: Jed to the end, and then two he turned Michael Kies into a verb, so he gets the point. It's
3: <laughs> Kies it all over him. That's, what that's like that's oh, a thing that man. could happen.
0: And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: <laughs> so let's go to round four. We're continuing sort of on this, on this UFC Vegas 57 trek because it's one of the options, because we have just a plethora of options for events to watch. There's three of them tomorrow. We got, of course, UFC Vegas 57 on Friday, but tomorrow we have the PFL, who is gonna be in Jed's backyard of Atlanta, GA. We have Bellator 282 emanating from the scenic, iconic Uncasville, Connecticut, Mohegan Sun Arena. And then at another casino, thousands of miles away, In lavish Hollywood, Florida, Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship is back with BKFC 26. I mean, just iconic venues, iconic cities for all of these cards. Jed, we'll begin with you. There's also
3: a Cage Warriors in Belfast. There's a Cage
1: Warriors in Belfast. So that's happening, but we're we're focusing on these four cards. Jed, if you can only watch one of these bad boys, what are you watching?
3: Well, I don't know what the bkfc card is because i largely don't keep up with that organization um because i don't also spend my time in retirement homes so i have no idea what that card is uh so that won't be it um i the correct answer is the ufc if for no other reason than that main event co-main event are incredibly relevant awesome fights but oh what the hell i'm going to it uh, I will be on on site because, as you said, it's in my backyard, in the A, in... What I'm not kidding, I haven't been to, but I think is actually just like a middle school gymnasium because I've literally I've lived in Atlanta <laughs> a decade. And when they when they sent out the like, here's where this is happening, I was like, I've never heard of this place. And it's not like in the burbs somewhere, and so that's why I haven't... It. it is in downtown Atlanta, and I've never heard of the place that they're putting this on. So... I think it might just be like a gym. Um, but I, I'm excited to find out about it. I'm excited to sit next to the much lauded smart cage in my organization, the PFL. Um, and honestly, it's as far as PFL offerings go, it's a pretty good card. It's probably not as good as their one next week, but um, and I'm unclear why Bruno Cappaloza is in the main event as opposed to Anthony Pettis and Stevie Ray, which are, is like a much more obvious main event to do, but they want to give Bruno the shine, you know, heavyweight, heavyweight champ or whatever. Um, but the rest of the card's pretty decent. You know, Chris Wade, Cal Bachniak's good fight. Um, it's opening with Brendan Lonane, which is very strange. I know some, some weirdness happened with them this week where they like shuffled a bunch of fights randomly and some dropped off. Like, I don't really know what that was all about, but the end result is still a pretty decent card. And, since I'm going to be cage side for it next to the smart cage, uh, I will say that that is my top event for this weekend.
1: Okay. All right. Maybe you can ask Don Davis about transparency and because I mean they just came out and made the statement that Clay Collard won the last fight. In the in the interest of transparency, we feel Clay Collard won. And
3: I like that's it.
1: it. Like, what are you gonna do about it? <laughs>
3: like, that's just, how I would run an organization I for sure,
1: too. I thought for sure with the way he left that tweet, the dot dot dot, that he's gonna be like, therefore, we have we're anointing Clay Collard as the playoff participant, and this other dude Martinez is gonzo. And that would have been just the funniest thing ever.
3: They really should just do instead of even doing playoff like right, so they have the season and you fight to be in the whatever. And then just one spot's just they they pick. They just have an at-large bid that they get to determine. It's like, yeah, our at-large participant. I don't know. We think Clay won. So we're just gonna let Clay fight it out. <laughs> Who cares? Make up the rules as you go along. You're making up stats about punch speed. Make up the rules to your own stupid events anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so many questions so many questions randy what are you watching i mean listen you can watch ufc events all the time does maybe bellator maybe pfl at the middle school gym apparently maybe bkfc maybe that i don't think that's that far from you of memory surgery me correctly so what, what are we thinking here well I, i'm i'm
4: i'm going to the bare knuckle event
1: everybody loves the circus i want to be at the circus
4: uh there's some, there's some actually like fun fights i mean jimmy rivera fighting i mean he was a huge player in the bantamweight division in the ufc that'll be a fun fight to watch uh beck roland's fight also uh ufc ufc vet uh, there there are a couple good fights on it just that's i mean it's just you you go there you go there for for the, for the circus it's, it's just fucking wild um and, and i i'm i'm here for it the, the pfl card though that that's a good one i'm really interested in the um in the bellator card however i just think it's that whole tournament uh, format is just super super interesting. Um, you know, Brendan Ward's fighting, uh, Gengar Mousasi's fighting, and and uh, I, I'm 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 very friendly with the, the Italian gangster Danny Sabatello. I like him a lot. I love his character. I think it's fucking awesome. I think it's hilarious, and I think that the that the, the sport needs it. And I think it's him being in the in the in the Grand Prix is is awesome, and it's great for Bellator. Um, of of. I mean, it's Saturday night is the UFC's card, but everything else is tomorrow night, I believe. Uh, of the two cards tomorrow night, I'm probably more interested in the Bellator one. However, I'm really excited to watch uh, to watch Pettis fight as I'm excited to watch Brendan Lofnane fight. I think both those guys are super exciting. Um, bare, bare knuckle is bare knuckle. I mean, it's just – it's fucking madness. Everyone – you know, it's, you don't really know what's going on. You just – something's going on and you got to watch it because everybody's all fucked up. I don't know, man. It's a, it's a good weekend of fights. Of the two tomorrow night though, like I said, probably be Bellator. but I'm 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 definitely most excited for the UFC event.
1: If I could pick one of these four cards to cover right now, it would be BKFC and it wouldn't even be close. Like it wouldn't dude, even be a discussion. I would the take the flight out. Oh dude, I covered uh I, I covered the probably one in July when a... Paige fought um uh who did who did she fight? How do I not know this? Was it Britain? Rachel Ostevich? No. Ostovich? Ostovich. Jeez, Louise, how the hell did I forget that? Ostovich. Yeah. That was by far the most fun I've ever had covering a fight card in my whole life. It was exactly how you described oh, it. Fun. It was so much fun.
4: It was it's just fucking madness. Like no one really is sure what's going on. It's just going on. It's just fucking insane.
1: So Randy waxed poetically, Jed, I'll turn it over to you. I'm sure you were a little upset that he mentioned this name, but I'll just throw it out. So you get the chance to, to say this name oh. of these three cards tomorrow. What's the fight you you got circled over anything else? What's the one you you're you're most excited to hear about? Watch, find out the results to which one of these three cards tomorrow? Which fight are you most paying attention to and why is it Danny Sabatello versus Leandro Ego?
3: <laughs> it's not. Look, like the the best fight of the weekend by far is Suruki and Gama, and I know that's boring. I here, here's the dividing line. I want to watch that fight. I don't give two tugs of a dead dog's tail about the post of it. Like, I don't need to hear there whoever wins on the mic, but I desperately need to hear what Danny Sabatello says after he cases all over Leandro Ego. So if I can just get that as a mashup of, because I know how that fight's going to go. That's fine. I don't need to watch that fight. I know the outcome of that fight. I just want to see d Sab's on the mic. And I just want to see Suruki and Gamrot in the cage. Like that's those are the two things I need this weekend. Outside of you know sitting next to the 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 vaunted smart cage.
1: (laughs) All right. The point for round four. Let's get it ready. By the way, you know where this is going because you guys actually vote for the winner. But it was going to happen this way anyways. Point for round four goes to. It goes to Randy Costa, because he answered the damn question. Jed just jumped to Saturday. I asked about Friday. It's two to two, but it's okay. It's all right. Jed's focused on the smart cage. What questions he's gonna ask the smart cage at the post fight press conference? (laughs) I I mean, lots of things distracting have So many (laughs)
3: questions for the smart cage.
1: All right. So you know what that means, everybody. It means we're going to the knockout round. And I didn't even have a question in mind, but I might as well because there's a big announcement go with that question, but one... Okay. Both will get it. One minute on the clock for each of them. They will both give their thoughts, give their response. Once that is done, we'll turn it over to you. You'll go to the poll on this here YouTube page. You will vote for who you think won, and then we'll bring on the Honorable Judge E. Casey Lyden to read off the decision. So, Jed, I think you got the prerogative here. It's been a while since you've gotten a victory, but... Well, who I, doesn't? I, think, I do.
3: I think Randy has a prerogative.
1: All right, we'll give Randy the prerogative. Randy, Price is Right rules. It's like you're in the Showcase Showdown. Do you want to take on the Showcase first, or do you want to pass it on over to Jed? I'm going to go second. Okay. Jed Mishu. I think you probably know where this question is going because you mentioned his name earlier in the program, and now the man has a fight, and it's not against Nate Diaz. Jake Paul... Is fighting um. Tommy Fury, August 6th, Madison Square Garden. There's going to be a press conference on Wednesday in New York, which will be hosted by our good buddy, MA Fighting Zone host of the MMA Hour, Mr. Ariel Hawani right before the MMA Hour. This is the fight. This is what we're going with. And after the Tyron Woodley feud is, is over, we're going back to the Tommy Fury. Well, this is a fight that you had mentioned many times in the program. Now that you've seen the poster, now that it's happening and it's headlining at MSG, is this the right fight for one Jake Paul? And what is your early thoughts on the matchup inside the squared Circle? One minute on the clock. Your time starts now.
3: It, it's not the right fight. Uh, I don't know. The truth is I don't know what the right fight is for him. The right fight for Jake Paul is Nate Diaz. That obviously cannot happen for X, Y, and Z reasons. I think Tommy Fury is a really good chance to beat him. Um, Tommy Fury is not like some Wunderkind boxer, but he's not a bad boxer. He obviously comes from a lineage of exceptional boxers. And most importantly, he is an actual, he is a boxer. Like this is a thing that he has done that he does, that he does with his family who, you know, world championship caliber training and levels here. So really, he is also physically the equal of Jake Paul, which has not been what Jake Paul has faced at this point. This is a huge, huge step up in competition for Jake Paul, frankly, and one that he may well lose. So, but the other option mostly thrown out was Anderson Silva. And I think Anderson Silva tools Jake Paul up. So that's like a bad fight for him. So I don't know what the right fight was. Uh, This one at least has a little bit of smoke. If Jake Paul wins, it's a huge win. So that's kind of what he's hoping for, but he might be in trouble.
1: Okay, I'm back. Um, I'm sure you, it was a riveting answer, Jed. I'm sure it was the greatest answer in the history of the show. Unfortunately, as it seems to every day in this house, something friggin' stupid happens where <laughs> either the power goes out, there's a friggin' storm, or something happens with the Wi-Fi. And guess what? I missed half the answer. Good thing I don't well, make the I don't pick the winner of this round. The
3: peeps do. Welcome to the and Low Country, bud. <laughs>
1: I know, right? Jesus Christ, <laughs> Randy. We go to you, my man. Jake Paul getting back inside the squared circle, not fighting Nate Diaz. He's fighting Tommy Fury. He's fighting Tommy Fury. We're going back to this well. We saw it happen the first time. Tommy didn't make it. Tyron Woodley came back in. They're going back to the well. Is this the right fight? How do you see it playing out early? By the way, uh, opening betting odds, it's a pick-em, of 115 on each side. One minute on the clock, Randy, your time starts now.
4: So, yeah, man, I think I think it definitely is the right fight for this time. I mean, the fight is just in, what, two months, eight weeks, nine weeks, something like that, um, Jake Paul's promotion. But I, I think that what's kind of overshadowing is uh, that they have Amanda Serrano also co- co-headlining. I think that's a very interesting thing, and I feel like that's why everything was kind of scrambled to put this fight together. Um, I'm not sure at this point if the to- if the Tommy Fury fight makes sense. Uh, aside from everything that's like, you know, they have a little bit of history together, the Fury name, this, that, the other thing. I would have much rather liked to see Jake Paul and Anderson Silva as I'm sure a lot of other MMA fans would. But we'll take the Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury fight. It's a very interesting fight. It's the first like straight boxer that he's fighting. Um, interesting matchup. I think that it's, on I think it's, thrown together at this time just so they can meet that date so Amanda Serrano can headline and I think that's a very fair thing to do. Um, yeah.
1: All right. So that is happening. Uh, Amanda Serrano is fighting Brenda Carabajal in the co-main event. So there you go. Big spot for Amanda Serrano back inside MSG. Jake Paul will be the one to close the show but they are co-headliners and <laughs> what Oh, is that just I, tired yeah, fatigue? Yeah. Yep, Fatigue Fair enough Okay vote now As it says right there We'll give you about a minute We'll just plug away here While you guys do that Tomorrow 10 a.m. Eastern Back with another episode Of Heck of a Morning On the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces Free for all Fridays We're going to talk about Whatever the hell you want to talk about Someone asked me about My favorite concert experiences earlier So if you want to ask questions like that Whatever the hell you want to ask I don't care
3: what, What was your favorite Concert experience Mike?
1: Tom Petty was the correct answer Tom Petty was the best one That's a good one. Yeah. Ambiance was tremendous. She came back. Are you still conscious? I've been a really bad one. Yes. And I was talking, I told the story about a 75 year old lady just getting blasted and dancing her, (laughs) just having the best time ever. And I was just like, man, when I'm 75, uh, like, that's how I want to be living life.
3: I saw young Jeezy in concert right before Thug Motivation 101 became this like global phenomenon, and that freaking ruled. It was the best (laughs) I've ever been to in my life. What the fuck? (laughs) It was unbelievable. Back in the day, I was very into rap. Uh, I still love rap music, but like I was into all sorts of rap. And before Thug Motivation 101 came out, he came to Savannah. He put on a concert at Savannah State. It was a bunch of people who went to Savannah State and me and one of my buddies from high school. It was incredible.
1: That's amazing. (laughs) That is amazing. So yeah, you get asked questions like that. You can learn more about our musical tastes and concert going experiences on heck of a morning. Jet is cool, man. We are asked. Thanks Galactus. <laughs> <laughs> best, that is hilarious. Is that, is that the guy best, you went to the concert with? It's got to be the guy you went to Savannah. State no, to best
3: part about right. the concert is the first rap concert I've ever been to. And I don't know if this is true or not, but like, since there was nobody there, cause young Jesus wasn't really famous at the time, it was like right up front. And they just took out stacks of money and threw it into the crowd. <laughs> this was not a strip club. This was in a collegiate gymnasium <laughs> and they just threw stacks of money into the crowd. It was <laughs> unbelievable.
1: Galactus has turned his back on you in a matter of seconds. So, yes, yeah, so that's happening. Preview show for UFC Vegas 57, 3 p.m. Eastern, tomorrow, live right here. And then Saturday, People's Pre-Fight Show as of now, 6:30 p.m. Eastern, same channel. Post fight show after the card, same channel. And then AK and I are back on Sunday for on to the next one for matchmaking. And then I'm my happy ass is on an airplane to Las Vegas on Tuesday for International Fight Week. And I am pumped for that. Mm-hmm. So Casey. I look like I'm broadcasting live from a potato because of this friggin' internet. Please, for the love of the Lord, get me out of here. Who won? A potato.
0: (laughs) Well, um, (laughs) once again, a fantastic competition between two stellar athletes, but we do have a winner. We do have to pick a winner. (laughs) I'm using stellar, um, very loosely. It's very
3: loose. I wouldn't (laughs) call myself an athlete anymore.
0: (laughs) All right. Um yeah, we have a decision. Your winner with 53% of the votes is ooh close. Mr. Beautiful Mustache Randy Costa.
1: How can he fight? The he knew mustache? it. He already had the. He, he, knew knew he had the uh, he the almost <laughs> overhead bicep poses going on. So he gets to ride fight the mustache? giant <laughs> unicycle. He gets to ride the giant unicycle into the winner circle for a five hundred pound trophy that he can lug back to his condo on the beach in Florida. Congratulations, Randy Costa. What would you like to say about this victory? You have thirty seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. You want to plug a sponsor? You can say whatever the hell you want here. Go.
4: Well, first of all, I told you that I'm going to be undefeated with this mustache, and it started today. And next time, I'm going to compete with this thing is October 1st against Guido Canetti, and I'm going to win that fight, and you're going to see, and you heard it here first. I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a blast. Um, Yeah, dude, pump for some fights this weekend. Let's enjoy the show and watch all
1: these crazy athletes go to work. There you go. Jed, how do you feel about the decision from the peeps, especially when you're getting so much love earlier?
3: I mean how do you fight the mustache that's it just is what it is Uh, Thug Motivation 101 is still an absolute classic of an album so Galactus you're a hater and I'm sorry about it that's all I got
1: there you go Jed having a tough time with, with people with facial hair like really elegant facial hair Drake Driggs Randy Costa, it's just the facial hair seems to be the kryptonite here for Jed.
3: Drake Riggs is a cheater. I don't, I tr- truly don't understand it because I worked Drake last time and I still lost by a billion. <laughs> like it's in any objective person is like, yeah, Jed murdered Drake. So yep. I don't get it. Whole I'm fine losing to Randy. I have no issues with that decision. <laughs> I do have issues with the Drake Riggs decision last time out.
0: Before we go out I gotta just throw A little side by side Real quick Look at these Oh jeez 10 Ten seven Costa
3: on, yeah. say, oh, wait, they're, uh, they're, they're different styles The style. Tom Selleck mustache Is not as good <laughs> As as the vaudeville. <laughs> My villain villain mustache
0: we're, we're we're different eras of mustaches that's all but we're, we're in the same club i'm just saying i'm just saying all right there you go
1: we go from the 80s back to the early 80s yeah, so yeah. there you go it's, it's like looking at the collection of the 1986 boston red sox right in front of the So all right i gotta get out of here before my wi-fi just completely craps out thank you very much for watching for jed Bashu, for randy costa for E casey lyden on the ones and twos i am mike Keck. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you back here once again. Between the Links, don't know if we're going to do video, but Jed and I are going to do something because I'll be in Vegas and probably just going to oh, hit the yeah. recording go. So in the meantime, we'll see you then. See you back here next week. Between the Links, good night, everybody.
2: Love you guys. This has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. Wow. Esther, what are you doing? It's
1: real iconic what are you voice. here for?